This fire engineering podcast is brought to you by Demir's Ambulances. Demir's is one of the largest firms in North America and is the Canadian leader in ambulance design, manufacture, and distribution. At Demir's, they never compromise. In saving lives, there is no good enough. That's why their ambulances are designed for safety and come loaded with innovative features that help you excel at your job. Their testing exceeds North American safety standards, and they provide the lowest cost of ownership in the industry. To learn more about them, go to Demers-Ambulances.com. Is your fire department prepared to face challenges like the turbulent economy, recruiting and retention, and funding? Level up and get the training and strategies you need on the issues that matter most at WAVE 2023. Featuring ESO Training Academy on April 11th through the 14th, 2023 in Austin, Texas. ESO, a leading provider of fire RMS and EPCR software, brings together national industry leaders, quality training, and experienced fire and EMS professionals for a unique conference experience that will inspire you to drive change within your organization and prepare for 2023's challenges. For a limited time, our listeners can use the discount code FIRETRUCK to save $100 on a full four-day conference pass. Don't miss this opportunity to learn from some of the nation's top experts in emergency services. Visit ESOWave.com to register today. That's E-S-O-W-A-V-E dot com. See you in Austin on April 11th through the 14th, 2023. This fire engineering podcast is made possible by Tenkata Protective Fabrics. The global leader in flame-resistant fabrics, Tenkata Protective Fabrics enables millions of people worldwide to be great at what they do. Generations of industry professionals serving in the fire service, industrial, and military industries rely on Tenkata Fabrics for safety, comfort, and confidence. From the harshest working conditions to the welcoming site of home, Tenkata recognizes the people they're protecting are unique individuals whose lives extend beyond work. Supporting a world of evolving needs, Tenkata's innovations lead the way in user-centric design, technology, and sustainability around the globe. To learn more, please visit TenkataFabrics.com. Welcome to Tailboard Talk with Dane Carley, Craig Nelson, and Jeff Wallen. Every month we explore different topics of interest to you, our cohorts in fire and emergency services. So whether you sit back and listen, sound off on the message board, or call in live to be part of the conversation, we welcome you to join us in our mission to improve the fire service for those we serve and those we serve beside. Now coming to you live from the Great White North, this is Tailboard Talk on Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Tailboard Talk for Friday, January 7th, 2022. I'm Jeff. I'm Craig. And I'm Chris. Yeah, it's colder than crap here right now. We've had a wicked, wicked cold streak. I don't like it. I don't either. It gets tougher every year. When you, when you reach temperatures 20, 30 below zero, it just is too cold. It's hard on vehicles, hard on houses, hard on people. Right, I uh we had interviews for new employees last week, and I was in the lobby of the fire station after it was 20 below or 20 plus, and I mm-hmm. said that uh, to the kid that was applying that maybe we should move somewhere else. <laughs> I think maybe you're not quite uh, mentally stable 
to be working up here in Fargo, <laughs> Morgan area. So we should look for a department in Florida or something if it's available. It's funny how often that conversation comes up. We were just talking about that this morning too. Maybe we should be looking at jobs somewhere down south. Because <laughs> when we say 20 and 30 below zero, we're talking true air temperature. We're not talking wind chills. Because you want to add the wind chills in, well, let's drop it anywhere from 50 to 80 below zero because right. it gets ridiculous. <laughs> so who's the unstable weird ones, the ones who don't have the stamina to maybe be checking it out up here? Or is it Oscar being too yeah. stupid to yeah. find yes, it, it, almost it, it, anywhere else on the planet? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I was born and raised here, you know, so it's, you're kind of used to it. I remember uh, we were just talking about that. Was, you, at, after elementary school or junior high, you'd, you'd run home and grab your ice skates, head to the rink. Nope. 20 below was, was the best time because that was the best ice, mm-hmm. fastest ice, crisp. Fast, yep. Uh, and then the I wind's can't not even imagine, either. I wouldn't even get in my car and drive my kid to the rink right now. Yeah. Out in Minneapolis, they just had the outdoor classic with yeah. the wild and the blues, and yeah. I think in puck drop it was eight below zero. Right. And even as a huge hockey fan, I kind of went, "Boy, I should have gone to that." But eh, it's yeah. kind of nice watching it inside. I, I had the game on too, and uh, my son was back uh, on break, and I, I said, "There's no way in heck you would find me at that game." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Really? I think it'd be kind of fun." I go, "Ah, not." Not at my age. <laughs> I, I found something out of COVID that I didn't expect to. Um, so my youngest son just graduated last year from um, from high school, and so he's in college right now. But he's still got friends from the class below him that are still in sports. So there's kids that we know that are still there at the school. And we kind of wanted to watch the football team play again this season because we knew a lot of the kids and some of the parents. And so the very first game we found was being televised, was, was being co-broadcasted online from just like an online company that does that kind of thing for free with a few ads mixed in here or whatever but they got uh, you know like two different cameras up on the <laughs> you know up in the press box or whatever the cheaper one cheaper places will have like a camera that automatically pans and tries to find mm-hmm. the game plan stuff because i mean they've got basketball and volleyball games and, like all this all this high school sports stuff is online now where you can find sure. it and so we didn't venture out of the house for a single high school football game because we said why would we go out in the cold to watch our son's friends our former friends play <laughs> when you can sit right here at home and just dial it up on youtube on the big screen tv yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah it was wonderful i have a, i don't want to get into this conversation but i have a niece that plays volleyball in oregon oregon mm-hmm. oregon whatever they pronounce it Oregonian, Oregonians, <laughs> and uh she's a junior in high school and i've watched every one of her games same way. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's Something not that... it's not ESPN by any means, but uh, you get to watch and see the couple cameras, and it, it's enjoyable. So. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'd never be able to watch your play. Yeah. If there's one positive thing that's come out of that is people having to find ways to get families to be able to watch their kids locally has turned into this huge other yeah. side benefit of friends, family from across the country can watch people they know do this kind of stuff. So we've talked about extreme cold weather. We've talked about sitting in our house watching our local high school games. Um, so we're actually looking for employees in Fargo-Moorhead area. Uh, anybody that wants to move up to the Great North would be awesome. Would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. be I'm yeah. sure we, we didn't really advertise it very well there in the beginning. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> We'll put our plug out. Yeah. <laughs> Nationwide, internationally, we'll put our plug out. The best part about this time of year, six, seven months of the year, there's no mosquitoes. 
No, okay. none. Good. It really is. Our, our our summers truly are wonderful, which is part of what yeah. keeps us here. Right. Is the summers are great. It's just this. The winters can get long, but they can get wicked cold, and it's it's kind of sad when <laughs> you, today it, it got above zero. It's, it actually right. felt warm outside. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I put on my, uh, up. my cargo shorts and my flip-flops and headed out to get some yeah, mail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, it's three degrees. <laughs> three degrees. It's spring already. <laughs> no, so, not Celsius. Fahrenheit. It's three degrees. Yeah, we deal with some, some wicked cold. And, and to be honest, fighting fire in the wicked, wicked cold is, is not fun. It no. is, it's just purely miserable. But in general, I've always told people, actually fighting fires, usually in the winter, if it's normal below freezing temperatures, is actually pretty comfortable if you're working. Right. Yes. It's, it's actually with our gear, that that's great. I, I think about the people down south in the summers and the heat, you, right. Texas, Arizona, <laughs> Florida, California, some of those where you go, my God, when it's 90, 100 degrees, because it does get that up here once in a while, too, in the summers. That, to me, is a lot more miserable than the cold. I'll put my turnout gear on yeah, yeah. and wear that, fighting a fire in the cold any day over 90, 100 yeah, I, always, I don't know if this is appropriate for the radio show, but I always say I can always put more layers on. I can't get more naked. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and we wouldn't want you to. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Even on the radio. <laughs> Body for radio. <laughs> right. So what's the topic tonight, guys? <laughs> well, I thought you were segueing right in. Yeah, right. we're going to jump right, right into there. Yeah. You brought up there. We're looking for people, and, and I, I'm guessing this is something that a lot of fire departments are running into. We we see it with our our uh, neighbor law enforcement agencies. They are always looking for people these days. It's it's not something that a lot of people are looking and going into. Um, again, we find them rewarding careers working in public safety, but. Um, we are putting more and more efforts toward recruitment and retention, and I think that's something all all public safety agencies are going to do, both police and fire. We're going to have to be looking at in the future, and we're going to have to try and start uh, being a lot more active than we ever have been. And I, and I, I remember years ago, there was kind of a, an attitude of, well, we're the fire department. Everybody wants to work here. So we didn't really recruit or worry about recruiting. I think HR, from what I remember, would put the ad in the paper and we'd get 100 people show up at a test or more. And now we actually go out of our way. We have a whole recruitment committee uh, with a lot of people on our department that want to see the department succeed and want to recruit people and want to improve diversity and all of that kind of stuff. And we put a lot more effort into it and we get less numbers. So I, 28 years ago or 29 years ago, I sat in a gymnasium in Fargo with 300 other people <laughs> and tested for the position of firefighter. How many people did we have last time, Craig? We were we had in the mid 40s. Right. So 40 people taking the, you know, yeah. the test compared to 300 back in the day. And in in some of that, you know, I, I would guess we've we've upped our requirements a little bit. Yep. You know, a little more education, post-high school education. We're looking for some stuff like that. Uh, that's changed. You know, that would have probably drove out, well, back then, 28 years, probably would have drove out 200 of those people. 
you know. Yep. Uh, maybe a third had a college education at that time. Mm -hmm. We're not using. We're not saying we have to have a college education now, but we have ninety credits. Is it sixty? Sixty credits. So, yep. so you're looking at two years of at least college or higher education after college. That can obviously drive number changes. Mm -hmm. so, I don't know what you. What do you guys have in Morehead? So, our pre-hire requirements for the longest time have been um, IFSAC or Pro Board Firefighter Two National Registry EMT Basic. Um, those are the essentials, basically, right there. You know, driver's license, high school, um, it, it, high school graduation or equivalent. And for the longest time, we would typically get uh, about seventy-five applications. About fifty of those would be qualified to come in and test, and we typically have uh, about 40 to 45 that would show up for the test, sure. which I thought were decent numbers for Moorhead. When I took the test, we had about 100 people that were in the group that I tested with back in 94, and down in the Twin Cities, a group of 300 or less would be small in a fire department that was testing. Right. So I, I was amazed at the numbers when I came here. But we started to see our numbers drop off two tests ago. Um, to where the numbers dropped off by about 10 to 15 percent. And this last test that we ran about two and a half years ago, we had just under 30 applicants. Of those, we qualified somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to test. And of those, six people showed up to write the test. Six. Six. And that's, that's where, so I should clarify too, when I say <laughs> mid 40s, that's the number of people that qualified to take our test. We had like mid 50s that qualified as applicants. Um, then I say then 40 were invited. We had 50 some applicants, 40 some were invited to test that met the standard. And then, yeah, we had less than that show up. It wasn't quite as dramatic as yours. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, you look at that and, and you go, it's, it's a. I don't want to say sobering. It's not bad. We're not. We're not. We're still meeting what we need. Right. Um, so and getting good to, qualified candidates. Yes. To give right. perspective. So for Fargo again, we're not a big department. We have 125 people in our department, and we run usually two classes, hiring classes a year now is what we're seeing, and so we're going to start a class in February. We'll have six people from our own department, and we do joint recruit academies with a neighboring department and so we'll have nine total recruits in that academy class uh, but one of the big changes we made is I don't remember how many years ago now six four five six years ago we went from testing every two years to testing every year because what we were finding is with a two-year test which to me, every department I've known, that's what they've Standard. done for yeah. yep mm -hmm. nationwide for years. You test every two years. What we were finding is you get into the second year, and everybody's kind of going looking at you like, really, you think I'm going to hang around to get hired there for more yeah. than a year? You got another fire department yeah, job. Yeah, I got another, another job, job somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah. And we're seeing more full-time fire jobs. Yeah. So people have more, even up, even in the, the northern Midwest here, we're seeing more full-time fire departments, and they're all hiring, so people aren't waiting around two years. So we went to testing every year now. Sure. So we test annually. We used to test every two years and do a list of uh, 20 people. Now we test every year and do a list of 15. 
uh, and now we're running into where our turnover is getting higher to the point where I'm thinking in the next year or two we're going to have to do two tests a year yeah. to because we can only do right now a list of 15 or we have to go to the Civil Service Commission and Maybe. can we do a list of 20 or 30 uh, because we're going to have some bigger classes coming up but that that was probably one of the biggest changes we made is we're testing every year now. We take applications every year to be more timely and to not keep people waiting for two years. And I think that's helped some, but it's uh, it's it's actually getting competitive now to where we're competing against all the other fire departments to <laughs> hurry up right. and get our stuff out there to get our application right. our applicants offers. So we're we used to test every two years as well. We just went to testing. As we have openings, and a list probably not to extend more than about a year, yeah. um, we haven't had any openings in the last two and a half years. We will next year. Oh. It's just been a happenstance slow where we haven't had that need or we've hired from other positions right. in the city and not for, firef- not for firefighters but for some other officers or positions. Um, but, yeah, we're in that same point. We're not going to do just uh, a test every two years. We're not going to have a list that's that long. It's not going to be valid long enough for it to be that useful. And I guess our last process out of the six that applied and took the test, we found in, during the interview phase, five of them we were comfortable hiring. So to say that we had five valid candidates for one opening is great. Well, we only had one opening, so what if you had two or three? Sure, sure. Uh, and what does that say about a year from now when we're trying to hire? Can we keep those pre-hire requirements the same? We had dropped down from, ooh, um, not with the firefighters yet, but with our other positions, we dropped down to uh, National Registry of EMT basic, um, uh, not recommended, but that's our desired qualification. Sure. Um, but it was not a prerequisite. So if you didn't have it, we would allow you to go through training after you get on board. And that's probably how our firefighter hiring is going to be this next time. That EMT, a, you can get it afterwards. That's a big change for us <laughs> also. Is That's what we've always done is, is if you didn't have your EMT, you could get it in your first year. And we would allow you the time off work if you had class that night, etc. And we've started teaching it in house now. So we'll take you if you got your if you're an EMT, if you're a paramedic, we'll take you in a heartbeat. But if you don't have it, we'll also take you, um, and then we'll run you through that EMT class ourselves. Sure. Because it started to become a scheduling nightmare trying to get people to classes on Tuesday and Thursday nights and this and that and. Um, and so we just went, no, we're actually, and so we run them through that, that condensed, we do it in four weeks, we run them through the EMT basic, and well, it's not basic anymore, but EMT in a month, yeah. and and then they go right on shift, and then the shifts can fully use them rather than put them on shift, and they don't have their EMT, well, they can't really help on medicals. They, right. you know, they can help a little, but not. It, it, it tied our hands a lot, and it made scheduling complicated, uh, but it also helps us with applicants because if you just because you don't have your EMT doesn't then eliminate you and so we're, that's one way where we're trying to help get more applicants in too. Another, I shouldn't say one way, but we've made quite a few changes. Right. There was a uh, full-time department very recently up in the Iron Range, pretty substantial size that um, has, from what I've understood, this is just what I've heard around the table, so you got to know that it's true when I heard it around the table at the fire station. Um, but they've done two rounds of testing to try to fill the openings that they have at their department. And from the first round, they didn't get enough folks and had to do it again. I don't think they fully filled all their positions in the second round, but they were also um, offering lateral transfers within the state of Minnesota. 
during the first round. I think they opened it up to anywhere, saying if you, if you had three years of career experience in Ames, Iowa, you'll start with three years of experience in Duluth, three years of seniority, where whatever your pay, whatever your vacation, all the benefits, you're not going to start from scratch and start over here to try to get people in the door to, to test, to try to fill the openings. So that's, that's got, and I was really surprised at that because I thought this bigger department would be one of these key magnets sure. in the state that, boy, if I was going to work anywhere, I'd maybe want to work here or here or here in the state, you know, some of the big boy players or whatever, and to find that they're starting to offer incentives like that to try to get people in the door in the first place kind of surprised me and they're still struggling with that they've also combined with the other career departments in their immediate area to do joint testing and to do a joint academy for their folks like you're seeing here in the fargo area starting and right we might be in that same boat with you all here pretty soon i i I, those are conversations we have that's those are conversations i have with our chief and and we're we're talking about is this something we should do if so how do you do it those types of things because it's getting more difficult people there are a lot of people working from home right now, and they really enjoy that. So when right. you're talking public safety, now you're talking jobs where, well, one, you can't work from home, and two, we expect you to work weekends, evenings, and holidays, too. <laughs> uh, and that's not Cold real weather. popular. Um, so that was, we're, that, we're combating some big issues. That was two of my questions. was what's causing it, and what can government do to improve it? And you, you kind of touch base on it a little bit with, you know, uh, we're battling, you know, obviously employment around here is, is pretty good. The economy is very good in the yeah, Midwest. Yep. But they're having, they have so many options. Mm-hmm. The people that are looking for employment have so many options right now that it, it's causing some issues, I think. You can, I'll take this job. I can work from home half of the time. We'll make what we make, you know, as fire, beginning firemen. When we started, it was, my gosh, if you'll hire me as a firefighter, Right. I'm, I'm there, right. and now there's so there are more jobs than there are people, so it's kind of the power's a little bit shifted. I don't want to say it's completely in, in their hands either, but we sit in on the, these applicant offers yep. and stuff, and we're seeing for the first time it's kind of shocking. Candidates say, "Well, let, let me think about it." <laughs> and you're going, mm-hmm. "What?" <laughs> what did you say? Let me think uh, about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's so foreign. It's very foreign to me. Yeah. I, I, God, I worked in the airlines, and I got laid off there, and I worked in fire. And I'm just happy to have a job and appreciate having a job okay. because of what I went through. Now, this generation is going through a different economy, a different right. work uh, set of work rules as far as what's available and there's more available to them. So I don't fault them for it either to look at their options and go, well, what's the best option for me? I just didn't have those options. I had, you can either have this job or you don't have a job. Right. Well, you know, a few things happened at, at the beginning of COVID that made a lot of sense that you had to do. So like uh, our, our Walmarts in our area, every Walmart was a 24-hour Walmart store. Almost to the point of the entire year long. Didn't right. matter the holiday. I think I don't know if they were still closed on Christmas Day, and there was some yeah, maybe Easter or something. But it was getting down to less. You know, that's almost three sixty-five. Yeah. Um, but of course, so they shut down twenty-four hour operation. Didn't didn't have the customer need or didn't have the employees right. or what have you. But you know, they shut down to scaled back hours for a while. I think they were only open till like seven or eight o'clock at night during like the worst of it. 
And all of our grocery stores in town were all 24-hour grocery stores. Yeah. Um, and they all did the same thing, shut down. Nobody opened overnight. Lots of the gas stations that had been 24-hour gas stations closed down to eat gas at the pumps, but there's nobody inside working overnight and all that. And even though we're facing the Omicron ramp up right now and the Delta variant before it, it seemed like society returned to normal a little bit before the Delta variant. Right. And as things were opening back up again, store hours pushing back to 10 o'clock at night, maybe 11 o'clock mm-hmm. at night, and that's where it all stopped. I mean, our Walmarts here are still not 20, back in 24-hour no. operation. None of the grocery stores on our side of the river, on the Minnesota side, are 24 hours yet. Maybe there are one I, or two in Fargo, but they're not out after 11, I, so I don't, I, I don't know. But I'm also wondering, <laughs> since the, in bed by yeah, the bars are still open, yeah. since the retailers <laughs> haven't returned to pre-COVID conditions right. and the gas stations haven't, and a lot of companies are still working on weird restricted hours because of staffing availability, if it's that, you know, there were people who either wanted to work those third shift hours or those are the hours that they could get. Yeah. Um, but I think the whole labor market has shifted in that this idea of doing off-schedule type work yeah. now has been gone just long enough from our society that the idea of, hold on, I'm going to work when? Right. Uh, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Why would you need to? That companies are retooling to be able to do things during normal work hours when they can get the people who want to work and who truly wants to work overnight right who truly wants to work weekends it's hard to get those times but overnights are probably the worst and we can't shut down overnight well we can't yeah so we have a few different ideas we're floating around here and one of them is is what do we do with our work schedules and that's kind of where we want to go with this part of the show tonight is is the work schedule but i think part of it ties into government and public safety trying to be more flexible too so uh chris and i were just talking this morning uh, because again we have some conditional job offers out and we were looking at our schedule and i've always of course we have discussions about do you change your shift schedule and right now we have all of our operations personnel work 24-hour shifts and I've always thought of it, I guess, traditionally in the past, that, well, if we change our schedule, you have to change it for everybody. Change everybody. And, and more recently, I've thought of it more as, well, no, it doesn't mean you'd have to put everybody, say, say you go from a 24-hour schedule to 10s and 14s. You wouldn't have to put everybody on 10s and 14s. Maybe you could do a modified. And the whole point of the discussion is to recruit, retract, and retain right. more good fire personnel and so if if we can give them flexibility in their schedule and that will help us get more people and or retain more of the people we currently have then that's probably something we need to look at Uh, because we are seeing a few more people that actually don't want the 24-hour schedule traditionally for us here everybody loves the 24-hour schedule i still love the 24-hour schedule even though i don't work it love it but um (laughs) We are seeing a few more people because of kids and families and etc. They don't want that 24-hour schedule. They want to be on a, a more regular schedule. So then, as a department, can we can we do a happy medium where we offer both schedules, and then as a person has seniority, you can hold one or the other, and right. uh, then you have the the flexibility to. You have some people that want that schedule that they're not gone 24 hours then they can have the schedule where they're not gone 24 hours. You have some that want that, they can have that too then. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, discussion, and it, and it has surfaced in the recent you know six seven months you mm-hmm. know, of, of discussion about it. Um, my attitude has changed towards it because it, <laughs> five years ago I would have said get lost, yep. twenty four hours, nothing. You guys are idiots. Yep. I don't need you. But I also don't have the workforce I used to have either. Uh, the options mm-hmm. uh, or that threat, I guess, against a, not really an employee, but uh, yep. uh, of myself or whatever, would say that I, this is my job schedule. Um, so, yeah, I think looking into those opportunities, <clears throat> and we're at a, a size that I, I think it intrigues me because we could, you know, overstaff certain times of the day, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit. Instead of adding like a fourth shift to, to add to the manpower, we... We add something, or we we take off some of the shifts and some trucks. Staff the busier hours, right? And then that gives us opportunities for some of yep. our employees to go to training, to you know, because right now we do some training, and sometimes we have two or three operators out of service yeah. for that training event in a short three-hour period or something. We typically um, do, yeah, our training on shift. Right. So, so we now, if we have this extra crew companies. kind of running around doing some stuff. <laughs> It would be beneficial. Yeah. I'm not sure how it all looks. I'd have to pencil it all out in paper mm-hmm. and look at the manpower and those things. But I, I'm, uh, I've become more open to those those ideas. And and, I, and and like say, Craig and I do sit on the hiring committee kind of thing, I guess I would call it. And uh, have those we have those conversations with new employees. Uh, and those are some of the things that come up. Yeah. Those the- are some of the things, the conversations we have. I know the city of Moorhead and other departments have been entertaining conversations with people for positions who are interested in the job, but maybe they only want to work 32 or 34 hours a week, not 40. They're still interested in benefits, you know, and, you know, right now, kind of that threshold that cut off of benefits kind of at that federal level is 30 hours. Right, right. And so we're starting to see on the other side that there are people who say, I'm interested in doing the job. I just don't want to put that much time into it. And I might be looking around to see what I can find in that kind of range. That's the range that I'm looking for. So on the fire department side, you know, with our schedule being similar on both sides of the river, our our folks are working an average 53-hour work week. What if you get an employee who really only wants to work 38 hours a week, not 52, or wants to work 42? And that's where some of those 10s and 14s might come into that is that... They might be working less hours than the person working on shift or another person who's picking up 10s and 14s. Does everybody need to work the same number of hours to be valuable? Or do we have enough people wanting these jobs that we'll yeah, be able to you, stay do, with that do you model? Do modified? Because it's kind of funny mm-hmm. when you say that. I sit here and go, well, no, why would we? But the rest of the city does it. Mm-hmm. The city has a, It's kind of funny because our city... Was, was very generous and uh, gave us some of the, the money that came out with COVID. They gave us bonuses. And so they had laid out, well, full-time regular employees and then the part-time yeah. employees and the three-quarter employees. So the, the city has that stuff all in place already, and some of the departments are doing it. We just never have. But, yeah, maybe maybe we should have part-time or three-quarter time <laughs> I, I don't know. It, you it, should look at Chris's face right now. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe the words when they come I know, out of my mouth. I, I, know. I, I never I can't thought I would agreeing. say it, and I'm not even saying it would work. I'm just because traditionally I've just always looked at it like, no, you just this is how we do it. But again, we're having to look at things and go, what are the 
what do people want and yeah. can we be flexible to it? And, and with government, I've always said, uh, and I'm very proud to work in public safety and proud to protect the citizens and serve them, uh, that, that it's a very meaningful line of work. Right. That's what I've always said. I, I, I will never be rich, but I, I feel good about myself and what I do. And I, and I, and I love that aspect. Yeah. And I love the people I work with. But we can't give stock options. We can kind of give bonuses, as we just found, but that's the first time in my career of almost 20 years, <laughs> so career, yeah. I'm not expecting another one anytime <laughs> soon. But we don't have that flexibility that, that private industry does to, hey, i got a good employee, so I'm just going to give them a raise or a bonus to keep them. Right. We don't have that. So to me, what we do have is flexibility, and that's where I think government work public safety work needs to go is we need to learn to be more flexible because it in a lot of ways it's 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 a no cost issue right so if we're just more flexible or we offer different schedules that doesn't cost us anything but it makes it maybe easier for us to attract and retain good employees i know our hardest shift openings to fill are the daytime shifts weekdays uh and you know, just like you guys, I would have never thought I'd hear myself say this, but especially during the warm weather months, I'd be happy to entertain hiring a three-quarter time person who wants to work days sure. to come in and help us fill those shifts that we can't open. I'd take a good, solid employee who only wanted to work three-quarters time, but they were a solid employee otherwise, I'd take them in a heartbeat right or, now, or, if I could. Or be more if flexible I could offer on them. days. You know, we, we do some stuff in Fargo that... You work four tens, you yep. know, or three twelves, whatever you want to, you know. Yes. Make it work out. Be a little more flexible, I guess, when we, uh, in some of these positions that are out there. If it's you know fire prevention or the training, or, right? You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want to because I know we're going on record, but I'm not. Why couldn't a training guy work twelve hour shifts? Yeah. We work, you know, we train three three hour blocks, and they have some time in between. No. I don't want to say that on, on record. No, right. It's not, a, would, it's not a grand plan. My guys it's, would be mad because I would say yeah. that, that we're going right. training at 5 o'clock. But those you know, are the but, things that we need to be discussing and yeah. looking at because if it helps us overall as an organization, then then it may be worth right. doing. Absolutely. If you cross that with peak call times, too, and I, I don't really know what the numbers are. Yeah. I but th- there are times where maybe it does make more sense. Now, I think we actually do have some more spikes around the dinner time hour sure. and in the early evening hours or late evening hours. You look at fire EMS, our busy time is from three in the afternoon to nine PM. Yeah. yeah. Really it's you could even narrow it down to four to seven, four to eight. But that is the time it's the, we the get commute crushed. home. It's yes. the starting to cook stuff. It's, it's the car accident. Yeah, yeah, it's it's our call volume. That's the highest and it's not just us. I've looked at many other fire departments yeah. and what their busy times are. It's the same thing. It's very similar for law enforcement. Yeah. We see, we all see the dips and the, the spikes. You see yeah. the spike at bar close, etc. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so then do you staff for the highest, busiest time of the day? We know that's when it is, so yeah. do you put an extra, extra QRU on it? Yeah, extra yeah, yeah. Pick up and respond for medical yeah. or something. You start looking at those things, and I think that was, those are all Options. Those are also great options for the flexible schedule thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So say we want to just run an EMS pickup out there. Yep. Okay. Well, we got tens and fourteens for you. Yep. Or tens or four twelves or whatever we're, we decide to do. 
it starts from nine to nine or something. You know, it, it's just looking at different things and, and trying to entice uh, good people to the profession. I think is yes. the biggest thing. Yeah. It's surprising because we, Craig and I, just went through the interview process. We are actually hiring six people right now. <clears throat> we brought in seven. Yep. Uh, for interviews, one actually turned it down in the end. In the end, but the other six were pretty excited. Yep. So it's still there. It's yes. It's it, still there. There's still people that want yeah. it, appreciate it, uh, and are excited about it. So I, 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 I don't want to sound like it's all doom and gloom around here. But I do think we need to be more flexible and be more open to some ideas. Uh, when you're when you've been on the department for 28 years, you know you just I this is how we've always done it. This is what we do. Suck it up. Yep. Uh, it's the greatest job in the world. What are you What are you talking about? Yep. I raised kids through it. I am well. Know, it's, it's I did all those things. So, but people are looking for different things nowadays. I think. Yes, and like you said, it's not that we mean that. Negatively, that right. that that's it's just that we haven't thought of it from that no. perspective, and now we're starting to. The more of this we're seeing, and the more of it we're hearing yeah. too. Uh, hearing is the biggest thing because that's you, you're yeah. right. That's yeah. part of it. Is part of what our again we never had a recruitment committee before. Right. So now for the last two three years we've had a recruitment committee. Part of what they're doing is they're going out into the community. They're talking to people. Who, why wouldn't you consider this? Why would you? What do you like? What don't you like? And we're starting to get some of that information, and that's what a lot of this is leading to. So it's not that, I, again, I, I, I always loved the 24-hour shifts because I loved the quality time off right. that it provided. But I also realized that just because I like it doesn't mean somebody else does. Uh, I just really hadn't thought or of it. Or someone that's more diverse than you or, or yeah. you know, gender different or something, you know, that mm-hmm. that might be looking for something a little different. Yep. And like I say, there's a lot of options out there right now. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I've always, this is the problem I've realized, realized the last couple of years because we've had an exodus from government in our city of Fargo at least in different departments and even our own yep. looking yep. for different things. But how do we, how does government <laughs> compete with private business when I can't walk in and say as a Fargo battalion chief that I just talked to Moorhead Moorhead would love to hire me at $20,000 more a year Mm -hmm. Fargo can't they won't they'll say I can't do anything yeah because we're budget restricted we're We're payroll restricted we're pay scale restricted we're all these things so and that goes for nuts I mean that fire is the obvious but you know, we have finance people, we have IT people, we have HR, public works. Public yeah. works. Yeah, every business is looking for these individuals with skills, mm-hmm. and they'll pay you more. So government needs to start offering a few extra. That's right. I think our key Fle- in the we have to be flexible, more flexible. Will be flexibility yeah. because we can't. Again, we can't give stock options. Yeah. We. Maybe can kind of give bonuses like we've seen, which is fantastic and that's awesome. But I don't see it happening again in the near future. Um, I hope maybe it will. But but the one thing we can do because it's not a cost item is flexibility. So we increase our flexibility, and if that helps people want to work for us, then that to me is is, is worth looking into. Yeah, times have uh, times have changed. <laughs> it really has. Um, I think 
you know, being late is, is, is an important, you know, you're late, you're in trouble. Um, I don't think my wife has been on time at work for the last two years. <laughs> uh, you know, and she just yeah. rolls in. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll do what I do. Leave when I leave. Adjust my maybe in my lunch hour, maybe. You know, and she's still getting paid the same. And for us, that's a primal sin. Oh, you, you're late at fire Ooh. service. You're you're in big trouble. And I'm not saying, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of being on time at work when you're scheduled. You should be there. Uh, and I'm not saying that should be it, but. It used to be a death sentence in the department. Now it's yeah. more of a, uh, don't do that again. Lucky you had someone cover for you type situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, uh, I still get a letter in your file, but it's not. Just be on time. That's all I'm telling anybody. Any of my guys that are listening, be on time. But it's just, uh, I, I really think flexibility is a big thing. And I don't know how to, how to do that yet. Uh, I think we're still working. I think we need to listen to more of our employees. Yep. We are seeing, you, you said it's hard to fill day spots. We're yeah. seeing increase in people that want day spots in Fargo Fire. Really? Yeah. We're seeing we're seeing people that, again, yeah. they, that's what they, they want. There's either their spouse wants it or they want it or both, etc. whether it be kids or other activities that they enjoy that are drawing them that way. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're fortunately, we're in a position where we have a couple different divisions where those are options um, that have grown in our organization. So we have some ability to, if you don't want to work 24 hours, you've got some other options. But do we need to increase those? This is kind of what we're Yeah, and, and currently all those options are promotions. Yes. That's so maybe, maybe we it. look at, uh, you know, all our, all our training captains are captains. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have three of them now coming starting next week. Three of yep. them. Maybe we have a training firefighter. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. You want the experience. It sounds silly to, to hear yeah. you say it, but when you really kind of look at it, you go, well, maybe it isn't so silly. Maybe that right. would be a good option. Again, if it'll help us retain some good people. Retain good people, still do a quality job of training. You know, yeah. People are happier. Yep. I don't know. Is there work that we are doing right now that could be done a different way by people working a different schedule for the fire sure. department? Right. Would it result in any other benefits for our crews that we're having trouble doing now? Right. Are we having trouble getting the training hours in or getting multi-company drills together? Are other yeah, things stepping in the way or not? I don't know. Those are always questions you're always asking, I guess, and looking yeah. at the numbers and, and talking to people. but. Um, you know our office staff. Why? Why can't they work from home some of the times? Those, those again, well, your are, I think questions staff, we kind of have. Why to, can't right? they work from home? Why yep. can't your? You know, you can. I guess you know, as as uh, fire chief or deputy chief or assistant chiefs or. So I mean, start offering some. Of yeah, those there are portions of the job. If it's not unreasonable, right. that there are times it's more advantageous to do work not at the station where you're available for, you know, any, <laughs> you can only any close person. Your, you can only close your open door so often, Jeff. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, no, I mean, hear you. Well, there's I certain mean, larger projects or yeah. a big thing that has to get done. You right. seem to chew off a lot more of that in four hours at home than in eight hours at work with the distractions that come up. Right. And by distractions, I mean, you know, you plan to do a solid chunk of work, 
But if you're there, there are things other people want to do and advice they want to seek from you or decisions they'd like to have made. And they might delay it till the next time they see you sure. or tell the next thing that they're thinking about well, or handle it in another way. <laughs> yeah. Send an email, yeah. But if you're there and it's easy and convenient. Yeah, there's just, yeah. There's just a lot of opportunities. There are also, you know, we all, we all know and recognize that uh, apparatus have to be filled, uh, have to have manpower, have to respond mm -hmm. to emergency calls. That's our, you know, one of our main goals, obviously. So I think that always has to be there. And then can we do some other stuff to give opportunities? Right. And, you know, like Craig said, talk about 10-14s or guys working just 12-hour shifts or something. Maybe that works great for them for a couple of years, and then they want to go back on the 24s. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they're raising children through a certain phase or a certain situation or they got right. parents that are sick or, you know, they need that. Yeah, I'll go to 12s or whatever. And then after four or five years, yeah, I'd like to go back on shift. Yeah. You know, it opens up. So. We've also never really around here had to market these positions. No. No. Or the benefits that you get from an alternate schedule that we have. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, some of those things you don't realize until you're well into your life or your career working 24-hour shifts and you realize the parts of the 24-hour shifts that are really cool. Or you don't, right? You don't yeah. notice it until you leave and go back to eight hours and you're like, shit, that was really nice. <laughs> Gosh, I miss my in-between days. I miss well, my... I, I, I love the 24-hour shifts. Personally, it worked out mm -hmm. great for my life. I, I it doesn't mean it works out best for everybody. No. But I got to be home on middle, you know, days in the summer, and, and uh, well, and that's that's something we started doing too. This last go around was we added in recruitment classes, is what we call them, firefighter informational classes, because what we find is a lot of the people that we have either had family in the fire service or a very close friend, and so they knew how how the hiring process worked and what the job was like. And so what we want to use these for is, is an opportunity for somebody that knows not a whole lot about it but might have an interest in it. Goes, you know, I, mm -hmm. I do enjoy helping people and being a really active part in the community, but I don't really know what a firefighter does or right. what the job entails or what the schedule. And so we bring them in and we cover the, the pay and the benefits and the schedule and the job and we talk about all those things and answer their questions. And then the biggest piece probably of it is our hiring process is not like any other <laughs> process most right. people are used to. Yeah. Closest is going to be law enforcement as far as you want to talk about a long, drawn-out process with a lot of hurdles, that's what we have. And, and it's built that way for a reason, and it kind of has to be that way. Uh, but we go through that with people so that they understand it. So we, we explain to them that, okay, we open our application period for three weeks during this yeah. time and then a month or two later we're going to start testing and then three four months after that we might we might start getting conditional job offers yeah. out for a list and then a month or two after that we're going to do a recruit class and then three months after that you might go on shift right. <laughs> like, you're, you're like people need to understand yeah, yeah that, that the process yeah. takes six to nine months well. if you're successful with it but then also what we try to do is put people that aren't sure about it or don't know much about it in touch with some resources. Yeah. So this is what our written test involves. It's a, it's a, essentially ours right now currently, we're looking at different options, but it's essentially a civil service test. Well, you can prepare for those. You can yeah. practice for them. You can study for them. Mm -hmm. And we do an agility test. Well, we offer practice agility sessions. So you yeah. can come out and run through our agility test before you have to take it to see... Can you pass it? 
get an idea what it involves, etc. And if you can't, then you have some time to practice and it, get yeah. in shape for it. Yeah. Uh, but to help them through the process is what we're trying to do. We're not helping mm-hmm. them. We're not giving them a. We're not helping them cheat or no. anything like that. No. But but we're we're here to help you be successful in the process is what we're trying to give to people. So that if you really want to be a firefighter, we can help you. You're going to have to put the work in. I can't go and help you pass the agility test other than I can offer it and show you where you can improve and so forth. Uh, but those that's another thing that we have added recently to try and, and help of our, our applicants, our interested people. On the private sector side, a lot of folks are uh, find themselves about to be in between jobs and decide to see what's, what's out there in the job market, make a put some applications out there and hope to be working for somebody else within a couple of weeks. Not, well, I hope there's an opening that perhaps I could fill nine months down the road. I'm sorry, I got to Right, nobody, yeah, nobody can be unemployed. For, well, some people can, but nobody right. can be unemployed for it, We're used to people who know yeah. they're working other jobs because they've been wanting to do yeah. this for a while, and they've been trying for yep. a year or multiple years to try to get one of these positions. So the idea of testing in hopes that one day there might be an opening is right up their alley, but there are less and less of those people that are making up the mix of jobs we need to fill, and the cities are continuing to expand, so we need more. Wow. Yeah, it's rather different, and the other end of it on the physical agility side and the training to get on board, I mean, the, the closest kin we have to that is military service, sure. where you're indoctrinated, you're in, and you're there. And part of that, we don't even have people indoctrinated yet before we're wanting them to be able to demonstrate their physical agility to be able to do the job, whereas the military, they're going to run you through a bunch of stuff before you truly have to be able to, you yeah. know, pass that test at the end of basic. I would, I would think, I was just thinking of the six individuals that we're hiring, <clears throat> without saying too much, they either have a paramedic background, so they're used to the emergency response, they have a fire background, or they have a, a family friend mm-hmm. that's in the fire service. And we're, we're trying. How do we branch out from there? That's you know? what we're trying to do. Is we're trying to get past that hurdle. And yeah. so we've reached out to some different community groups with our recruitment committee uh, to, to help with some of that. Um, it's difficult. It's it, tough. Yeah. It's been fifteen years, probably maybe twenty, since we've hired folks that just had training to be a firefighter by going through a college but have never worked the job or never had a family member who did so otherwise all of our recruits since then have been paid on call firefighter somewhere else or paramedic or that's that's the other world that i see one way or the other is is our our firefighter programs our two-year degrees our certificate programs uh etc at our technical college programs they're drying up yeah Mm-hmm. They're yeah. not getting students anymore. We yeah. actually, the Moorhead program shut yeah. down. The East Grand Forks program is seeing less students. And I think this I think this is what we're seeing in a lot of trade industry jobs is yeah. you're seeing less people going to trades. And I'm sitting there going, my gosh, this is time to go into trades right yeah. now. The guy that showed up to you work want to make a lot of money. Made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so we're, we're combating that by trying to recruit outside of that. Yeah. When I look at the applicants we've been getting from the fire programs, each year it's less because yeah. there are less students in those programs each year. So we're still picking up a few from volunteer fire departments. 
in those types of institutions, but we're having to, we're, that's part of why we went to, you don't need any fire experience because there, there aren't many in the fire programs anymore and we're not getting right. a lot of applicants from volunteer departments. So we're just opening the doors and going, we'll train you to be a firefighter. Sure. Yeah, and some people are looking for career changes. You know, we have uh, one of the guys that's coming in next in the next recruit class is a uh, has a physics major from the University of Minnesota. He's an engineer at Honeywell. And you're like, holy, this guy's got some education. He's like, I don't like it. <laughs> I want to be a fireman. No. I'm like, okay, interesting. You know, yeah, it, it's interesting. So he still got that a little bit. He does some fire service down on different areas, some volunteer paid on call stuff. Was familiar with it, but uh, it's interesting to hear uh, the reasoning sometimes. Okay. But like like Craig said, we in the last two classes we've had, we've had two people pretty much say, "I need to think about it." Yeah, and, and that's a that's a flag, a red flag to us. I need to think about it. We've when I started back in '94, there were a lot of things were different. Um, <laughs> so if uh, First of all, you didn't call in sick unless you were laid out right. in bed and you didn't have a choice. Right. You know, if you were sick and you could, you came in and worked. Yep. So yep. more or less, you'd have to be in a hospital or, or bedridden, but yep. I mean truly bedridden. If you got sick in the middle of your shift, you didn't go home. No. Um, no, you, if, if worst came to worst, get down to your dorm room and just hang out there and make it through to the end of the shift. And, you know, you just prayed you didn't have a bigger call or you just, Made you the driver of the engine or something, you know. I mean, if you got hurt a little bit, we where can we still put you? But you can't leave. I mean, right. you need to have a broken leg or something like that to be gone. And, and conditions are different now. I'm not yeah. saying that they're wrong. It's just different. Yeah. And when we had it that way, you could only take sick leave in day long increments. Right. It would be a real odd thing for somebody to get so incredibly sick at work that the boss said, "Get out of here, go home." Right. You know, so people didn't take partial sick days, and now. Folks will take two hours of sick time to go to a doctor's appointment sure. or to go to a dentist appointment. We also could only take full days of vacation. Right. We've changed those things. And now we allow, oh. you know, I, th- I think we have a three-hour minimum. It's either a two- or a three-hour minimum that sure. you have to take. Um, and people who are scheduling full days get precedence and priority first. But right. if there are blocks of time that are open and your kid's got a basketball game that you want to go to yeah. and there's still an open vacation spot, yeah, you could just decide to be gone tonight from 6 p.m. until 9 p.m. Yeah. and come back to go watch the kids' sports thing or to go play hockey on your adult in a mural hockey team <laughs> thing. I mean, the people who just, okay, yeah. I got this club. The time's open. Yeah. I still feel goofy about it, but I'm going to take three hours of vacation tonight, yeah. go do hockey, and come back. Well, we would have been down if somebody had taken that spot anyways as a full day. So yeah. those are things that just wouldn't have been here before, and maybe those are some of those flexibility things that – also, people are looking for the idea of maybe having modified vacations where if what's important to you and if your kids' sports are important to you and there are a few evenings that you're looking to be gone for two to three hours to make that work and we can retain you as an employee and make it work, I don't know if we're at that point that maybe we need to start thinking about that. Well, How can I work think, be really I think we should. And well, and that was the yeah. other thing, one of the other things, because we did it a few years ago. It was probably five years ago now, maybe six, where we... Uh, relaxed our living restriction. Yeah. yeah. It used to be 25 miles, and now we've gone to 60 minutes. Right. 
And so that, again, is part of recognizing that we have more people with their relationships where the spouse or the other half works a job, and it might be a job that pays more than ours, so they're going to tend (laughs) to follow that job. And so by doing that, it allowed us flexibility so some of our people could live in another nearby city and their spouse or significant other could work there, but yet they could still continue working with us where in the past they wouldn't have been able to. Right. Yeah, that definitely definitely has changed. You know, I I, I think 28 years ago, this is going to sound old, but I I was the breadwinner of the family, Mm -hmm. not insulting my wife's job or anything like that, Um, but I was, so she would stay at home. Well, now things have changed. So now maybe firemen aren't the breadwinners or they need to be more flexible to mm-hmm. the spouse needs to be at work yep. for a meeting where back then it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't matter to at that time. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see, and I know I don't know how many, we got thousands and thousands of listeners, Jeff, that, Millions. that listen to that. Uh, I'd be interested <laughs> to see some comments on what other departments are doing to be more flexible. Right. Uh, I think the sky's the limit. I think you're always you're always going to have pushback, you know, somewhere in the department. Well, and it's it's fun to start to have the conversations. This isn't the first time we've had these conversations, but the more we have them, the more ideas we get, and the more used to the ideas, I guess I get too. That that maybe we can do some things that we haven't done that might help us. Yeah. And then, and don't be afraid, you know, I know Craig and I a couple of years ago went out to some private companies or businesses yeah. and, and sought what they were looking for for employees. Yep. We asked how they, how they did interviews and those things and try to change some of the ways we did that. So it wouldn't hurt for government to go out and look at private industry right now, too, and see what they're doing. See and how they see, do it. See what see they, they do. It. Uh, our hands are tied to some extent, and I did, I did some research on some of this stuff, and one of the things that I, I found is that leaders in, in good companies if they find somebody that's a good fit or that's a good person that would be a, a great worker they'll offer them a, a job even if they don't have a job for them. Sure. And we don't have that flexibility right. Right. but it's, it's that mindset of we're always essentially what it was getting at is they're always recruiting. So they go to a dinner party yeah. they're recruiting, they're yeah. evaluating they're, they're meeting people, talking to people would this piece be, person be good here? And, and part of that research I did also showed that your best recruiters for the fire service are your fire personnel themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now we've been doing this for five, six years also, where we send an email out to all of our personnel on the department prior to us hiring saying, hey, we are going to have an open application period. Please, if you, you have a friend, a relative, whatever, that you think would be good at this job. Please let them know Pass about it, it on, yeah. because the, the research found that people that work in jobs, whether it be fire, law enforcement, private industry, whatever it is, if you're, if you're working in that job, you kind of know what it takes and what qualities are good for it, and so the people you know that would meet that are our values, etc., for our organization well, they know them, yeah. and so they know who fits it and who doesn't very, very well. And so that's one of our biggest recruiting tools is our own personnel. Uh, 
And so we put a big effort now into making sure our own personnel are part of that and they know about it and that we let them know uh, because in our case, 125 people, that's a lot better than three or four yeah, or five. If, he, if each person could get one person. Yeah, if you think about it, you each have how many friends, how many relatives, and you, you reach out to, if every person reached out to even one or two people. Right. And you had half of those people apply, we're still better better off than we are now. So um, just some things for consideration and things for thought. How about take home fire trucks? Take them home? Yeah. Work from home? Well, about right now, I'm, I'm almost open to it, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, almost, I'm almost open to it. Still haven't found a way to fight fires uh, by distance. Yeah, you still got to be there. You can't WebEx the fire out. Nope. I did have a uh, assistant chief back in the day that said he could, he could command the fire from his living room, so... I'm not sure why I got to come to work every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have any other whiz bang suggestions no. to throw in there. I'd be, I'd be curious to see if anybody else has other ideas. Yeah, yeah. It'd be great if you reach out to us, please. Let us know. Send what your Jeff ideas an email. <laughs> be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those of you that aren't down south where it's warm. Uh, yeah try and stay warm uh, again a lot of crazy weather these days with the wildfires out in Colorado last week here and some big storms hitting the east coast uh, yeah kind of crazy there's a lot going on all the time these days and everybody's very very busy I don't know how you have wildland fires when it's 28 below I'm, I'm confused on that <laughs> but, um, yeah we definitely have different uh, climates around and everyone out there and Thank you for what you're doing, I guess. Keep working yeah. hard. Uh, be safe. Be safe. Catch you next one. Yeah. Good night. Thank you for listening to Tailboard Talk. Don't forget to tune in each week, Monday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific, for Fire Engineering Talk Radio. You can also subscribe to all of our shows on iTunes. Just search for Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Check out our educational programs and consultation services. They're all available at tailboardconsulting.com. There you can find links to all of our shows and our magazine articles. Thanks for listening and join us again next month for another episode of Tailboard Talk on Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.